0: Huh? Well, yeah, so we, so Salinos had pumpkins for a dollar like okay. this past weekend. Mm-hmm. So we got, but limit was five. We got five. We carved two of them. And then I had told that, that uh, family that we met in my neighborhood, <laughs> I told him that like I have this giant mallet that I got, like wooden mallet for my birthday. And I've used it to smash pumpkins before. How big is the mallet? It probably weighs like 15, 20 pounds. Yeah. But it's like this big around. Big wooden. What would you get light. this for? Huh? What would you get this for? It was a birthday present from That's an ex-girlfriend. Awesome.
1: <laughs> from your <laughs> ex-girlfriend?
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Wow. And,
1: uh, Does
2: Alicia know that? Yeah, she, she found ex- out
0: last night. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Oh. Scott, where'd you get this? <laughs> well, if you want me to get rid of it, Give me a better one. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like, I had told him about it, and he just sounded really... Like that would be awesome to do. I was like, okay, was awesome. but actually, the kids loved it more than anything. Yeah. They you're love like, smashing yeah. them. You know, <laughs> my, I'll smash a dollar pumpkin. Scripture is very clear. If you're in, if you are partaking of it in a way that is part of the design of God, which I, uh, that's another things that God's design for sex is that it would be happening between a man and a woman, yeah. a biological man and a woman, mm-hmm. in a monogamous Covenant of marriage. That's the only place Mm -hmm. where sex is acceptable. Mm -hmm. But when you have a relationship like that, scripture is very clear enjoy yourself. Have a good time.
2: Good morning, there. Good evening. Good afternoon, wherever you may be. Uh, I wanted to open up by saying good morning, MNBC, like good morning, Vietnam. (gasps)
0: Good. (laughs) Morning MNBC. <laughs> okay. This is Why don't pa- you start announcements like that? Yeah, yeah. hey, well,
2: that, yeah, we, could, we could we could could do that. This is uh, Pastors of the Round Table. Um, I hope we can keep ourselves maintaining like pastors right now okay. we're sitting around the round table this is the discipleship podcast of monroe missionary baptist church and it's brought to you by together in christ the teaching ministry of mmbc in monroe michigan and as we sit around the table today we want to continue what we always do which is to encourage thoughtful discussion about the christian faith and to connect you to the people and the ministries of mmbc um, sitting around the table with me today is Tim Icoangeli, lead pastor here at MMBC, Scott Slater, family pastor, Matt Bates, music and media pastor, and my name is Spencer Snow. I'm the discipleship pastor. Um, today we want to continue our uh, marriage uh, series as we go through the marriage topic and talking about very various topics that are related um, to this, and Pastor Scott has our topic
0: for today. Yeah, so what we've been trying to do is take some of the most contentious issues that happen in marriages and talk about uh, them broadly. These big topics, talk about them broadly. We're not trying to get too specific or in the weeds. Uh, we've talked about how faith is the most important component of a marriage that uh, that needs to be talked about, discussed, understood by two people that are either in a marriage or that are thinking about becoming married. Um, and uh, today we're actually going to tackle two topics uh, that are also kind of in the same boat. They cause a lot of issues in marriage when both couples are or both people are not on the same page in the couple. Um, and uh, the first of those is how do you deal with family once you've been married? How does your family relationship change to your parents, your siblings, your extended family? Uh, but then also uh, sex. I mean, just in general as a topic of that's a, that's a big part of marriage, and there's a lot of contentious things that come out of that. But um, We're talking about these two together. I'm sitting around the table with a lot of, uh, middle school boys that (laughs) apparently can't contain themselves. But, uh, we're talking about these two together actually because, uh, they are, they both arise out of the same verse that you see in Genesis chapter two. We looked at the beginning of Genesis a lot when we talked about faith and we're looking at it today and rightly so because this is where we see the first marriage happen. This is where we see it instituted. And Genesis chapter two, verse 24, It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. In the New Testament, this passage is explicitly quoted four times, two times by Jesus, one in Matthew, one in Mark. And when he quotes it there, he is talking about the permanency of marriage, that marriage is supposed to be a lifetime. And he actually says that when it says the two shall become one flesh, he says that God is the one. That unites these two together. Yeah. Therefore, what God has brought together, let not man yeah. separate. Like, you know, Pastor Tim, I think you said that mm-hmm. in uh, the wedding that you did a couple yeah. weeks ago. Um, so that the permanency of marriage, it's also quoted in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And in the context there, it is actually referencing that when you are joined to a person sexually, you are becoming one flesh with them. And Paul quotes this, uh, this passage. And then Paul also quotes this passage in Ephesians 5 when he is talking about the unique oneness of the marriage relationship, how uh, you, the husband and a wife, share a very unique relationship because they are one flesh. So what I would like to do is first, let's talk about how does becoming married change the relationship between you and your family? Uh, There are two words in there. And if in Genesis 2, 24 says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. So sometimes the phrase gets used leaving and cleaving. Um, I just want us to explore like, what does that talk about? Like, how does our relationship with, let's just say, first of all, our parents change when we become married? How does our relationship with our parents change? What do you guys think? How do we apply this? This
3: is the act of a new family starting
1: mm-hmm.
3: right that's what's happening here, and so the idea of you know leaving your parents' confines there and you have started your own family now mm-hmm. with your wife or with your or with your husband um I think it's a I think it's a touchy thing in quite a few marriages just of how that works out and it's it's uh It's a difficult thing, I think, even to talk through sometimes before you're in the thick of it, you know, Uh, because in premarital counseling, you can talk about this, you know, bring up Mm in-laws, but it's really hard to know how it, how it is going to come about in your marriage.
0: Like, for example... Yeah, until you're actually in the marriage, right? Right, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And like, like the two, like two of you, two of us here, you guys (laughs) don't live by your in-laws. Mm-hmm where Matt and I we live by our in-laws. Yep. That's a different dynamic. Mm-hmm. So just there's just different dynamics in each marriage as to how this is going, how this is going to play out, right? And what's and what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so the question, you know, of how often are you going to see your in-laws? How much of a role are they going to play, you mm-hmm. know, in coming to your apartment or your house that you have? How often are you going to go to their house and see them or talk to them on the phone mm-hmm. or yep. If problems arise within the marriage, when are you going to go run to your parents
1: mm-hmm.
3: yeah, all the time? Exactly. Like these are the things that have to get discussed, and then not just from the two who are getting married side, but a lot of times when there's problems, I see it more coming from the parents, yeah, enforcing mm-hmm. the problems. Yeah,
0: it's not often. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, the times I maybe I've seen this happen the most, what you're talking about, it's not even one of the two people that have just been married that are have the problem that they need to deal with. It's that their parents are acting almost out of line yeah. in terms of they're not what it comes down to is they're not respecting the fact that they are now a new family.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But my, I guess a question that I have for you guys is like, this is part of creation. Like this is God has just done this. God's the one that says like the new families created. So this is part of the created order. But do you think that the way we interpret or the way we live this out changes based on the culture That we're a part of, are there cultural elements to where we live and the time that we live that this might look different from other places in the world? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I
3: think absolutely, but I don't think in principle it should be affected by culture. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in a perfect environment, in a perfect world, you know, there is respect for the new family and respect for the old families that we come from. And so those two sets of families now are together. Working it out and working it out well, whatever that may look like. Mm-hmm. Now, culturally in our world, that is different because if you go to some places, you'll have grandma, grandpa, right. mom, dad, and kids living together, yep. Yep. and that's just the norm. Yeah, for money reasons, for other reasons, that's just mm-hmm. that's just how they function. That was the norm in scripture.
0: In mean, yeah. Genesis. You see, like when they would, when uh, when uh, like they would find a wife, they, the wife would come, and they would live with the mm-hmm. patriarch. Yeah, right. They they mm-hmm. they would all be part of that family. Yeah. Sadly, today one of that is. Well,
3: I have my own family now, mom and dad. So I bought you this place in the old folks' home that I'm going to put <laughs> you in, and I'm not going to see you anymore. You know, mm-hmm, we yeah. might come and see you at Easter and these things, and that's just wrong. But that is a cultural thing that we have in our society, but it, that shouldn't be the that shouldn't be the norm. I don't think that should be accepted. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, in that way. Yeah. So I mean, cultural does have an impact, but mm-hmm. I guess what I'm trying
1: to say is it shouldn't have as great an impact as it does. Sure. But even in that setting, I think. I think the main thing with you know these these couples becoming new families in one flesh, is that the main or prominent emotional, spiritual, physical support should come from each individual f- family. Uh, I guess maybe maybe I can say it this way. <clears throat> I'll just relate it to my family. Hannah and I are one unit and spiritually, emotionally, we should be going to each other for support in all of our endeavors. But that doesn't mean that we don't go to Bill and Lori or Audie and Donna, my parents and her parents for, you know, advice or, you know, even help at times. Mm-hmm. But I think the main, the main <laughs> physical, emotional, spiritual, uh, you, I mean, I can, Keep going this with whatever you want to call it. But the main support function, I think, needs to become between me and Hannah
0: and our relationship, you know, working things out. Yeah, Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think what you just said is uh, very similar to what you find in, uh, in Calvin's commentary on Genesis. This is what he says about this passage. He says, the sum of the whole is that among the offices pertaining to human society, so he's talking about like the relationships that exist, this is the principle, and as it were the most sacred, that a man should cleave unto his wife. And so what he's saying there is basically that like what this passage is showing us and meaning is that just because you get married, that doesn't mean that your relationship with your parents is forever severed, right? Right. Mm -hmm. The command to honor thy father and mother doesn't just go away Mm -hmm. you still follow that command but it means that your marriage is now the principal relationship of your earthly existence would you say that's right Mm -hmm. yeah
2: yeah no i mean um being one flesh means that you're now in a a partnership Mm. uh, a lifelong you're a team you're this is the most basic (laughs) element of community that we know in human life is marriage and then what comes from that children The family, and then they spawn forth, and they make their own communities of sorts. Really, Mm -hmm, so this is the most basic building block of community: man and woman in a in a marital relationship uh, together. So, yeah, they share this together, and I think substantially and essentially, the Bible gives us what this should look like at its core, always. But yeah, there's going to be differences based upon culture that are going to differ in circumstances. Um, the circumstantials outside of that, mm-hmm. and that's going to look different for us. I mean, some cultures um, some cultures may have, uh, for instance, ages that are going to be different. You know, in Bible times, um, I was reading, uh, you know, even uh, my kids have a book on ancient Rome, and it was just talking about the young age at which girls could be eligible to be married, mm-hmm. which is much younger than our culture, and I think each culture is, it's appropriate within certain reasonable limits for each culture to uh, set up age limits mm-hmm. at whenever this is appropriate. Our culture has set that age limit a little higher. Mm-hmm. Um doesn't mean it's necessarily right or wrong. It just means that as a society, then we should submit to that. Um, that's not causing us to sin and such. And so those things are going to be circumstantials that may look a little different. Um, but at the core, yeah, this is... Um, this is, this is the building block of human society. Mm-hmm.
3: And we see it distorted, I mean, just because of sin. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we see that these problems exist uh, between, you know, in-laws. Maybe, you know, my mom and dad don't like your mom and dad. Now that's a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we, when we have the birthday party for our kid, yeah. we know that there's all of this dissension within yeah. the room, and that's yeah. frustrating. Sure. Or um, you see, I've seen families who I believe worship family. Mm -hmm. like that is their god almost they might not say it that way Mm -hmm. but when when their son or their daughter goes off and gets married it's devastating Mm -hmm. even though if you'd say well what do you think of the guy she's marrying or the or the woman that he's marrying?" oh they're great yeah Mm -hmm. why are you devastated because they're not in my house anymore Mm -hmm. i can't see him every day Mm -hmm. or this that and there are going to be some of those emotions with it if you have a good relationship with your kids but then there takes a maturity and an understanding yeah. of God's word that this is yeah. this is a good thing that is happening, mm-hmm. and I want to promote this, and I want to be happy about it, and I want to encourage it. Yep. Right, and so, but then on the flip side of the the couple that's getting married, there has to be an understanding that you're leaving and forming your family. But like you said, Scott, but we both still have parents that we should love mm-hmm. and honor. And yep. so I've seen from couples before this sense of like. I just wish our moms and dad would leave us alone for the first year. Mm-hmm. Like, don't bother us. Let us have our own time. Never stop by. Never do this. And it's like, no, that's a really bad attitude, yeah. too. Like, that shouldn't be it either. They should yeah. be a part of your life. Yes. Mm-hmm. You guys should come together to set boundaries, you know, and mm-hmm. and these different things. I think that's the practical side of it. But we have to understand that we're seeing sin play, play out. Just our simple hearts and our little mm-hmm. idols that we have in our pockets really, really yeah. come through in these situations and the struggles that we have and it should reveal our heart and help us. we should thank God then that he's revealed our hearts in these ways to try to repent of them. You know, Mm. uh, when we got married, Amanda's parents took one approach and my parents probably would have said they, they took a different approach Mm -hmm. at it. Um, But it it didn't need to be, we're not seeing you anymore. Right. Or you're at our house all the time. (laughs) Right. Right. And so it's important for couples to talk through that realistically. Yeah. You know, and to be giving, you know, I see, I'm trying to think of examples. So like <clears throat> if my wife has a real close relationship with her mother, let's say that's always been the case, like not just mom and daughter, but they, they enjoy each other's mm-hmm. company. They like to go shopping together. Yeah. They like, yep. they have some hobbies that they like to do together. Then me as this new husband shouldn't be jealous of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah. I need to. Allow that relationship to continue, I should encourage that relationship. But then my wife should should understand at the same time, my mom isn't my spouse. Right. <laughs> right. This is my spouse. And so yep. there has to be open communication with that and in yeah. this give and take that is very healthy. And a lot of times, sadly,
0: I don't think we, we see that. We see yeah. jealousy come into yeah.
3: play. Yeah.
0: In a way that maybe that so take what you just said, like wife always going with their mother. And spending time with them doing Mm -hmm. that, that you're right. Like that's a great thing to have a relationship like that with your parents, but let's maybe take that to a place where it would maybe be an example of an unhealthy relationship at that point Mm -hmm. where your wife is spending time with her mother. And that seems like a, not just a, this is my mom, but this is my friend. Mm -hmm. And we all share deep things and life things with our friends but your husband might not want you to be sharing some of the things that you're sharing with your mom. Mm -hmm. That's a place where like, okay, now this is starting to get to an unhealthy place, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Where it's like, yeah, this is your mom. You honor your mom. You respect your mom. You love your mom, but you honor part of also honoring and loving and respecting your husband Mm -hmm. is respecting his wishes that if there's things going on in your all's relationship that he would rather be kept out of in-laws ears Mm -hmm. on both sides sure that's something that should be respected yeah yes no yeah yeah
3: and so i just i just think those things could be set up before the marriage ever happens i mean Mm -hmm. you're talking with your fiance and you need to talk through the in-law stuff of once you know where you're going to live in these different things and so let's say like in your guys' case you live far away well, how often are we going to go back and see it? Because there's money involved in that. There's yeah. time, time off work, vacation time. There's a lot of things that start to get involved in that. And so, if your wife's are like, "I need to see my mom once a month," I don't know if we can do that. Right? Can yeah. you mean the
0: middle? Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how that's I mean, going to be does done. A phone call work, right? right. Yeah.
2: But
0: Thank God for face. But it could cause stress. And in I the think, I think,
2: I think though, that's where like the whole reorientation has to be uh, be brought in, brought back into place, because it's not just me. Right it's us. Mm-hmm. It's the partnership. It's yeah. the team. It's kind of like, you know, I mean, Tim, you were the athlete of the bunch. And so like, you can't just go play your game by yourself right. as if the other four guys mm-hmm. on the court don't matter. Mm-hmm. If we've got to we have to work together as a unit. And the same thing. I mean, if whatever we're going to do, we have to do within the team strategy here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's been something,
3: honestly, I think we're all men here. So it's, Maybe this. Maybe maybe I shouldn't say this, but from what I've gathered and knowing a lot of different couples, women seem to struggle with that a lot with their husbands in terms of letting their husbands do things. They get jealous of a husband's friend or of a, of a husband's hobby, and sometimes I think it's fair. Sometimes I think it is extremely fair because the husband has gone hunting all the time Mm -hmm. or golfing all the time or is on five softball teams, you know, and these different things. They're like, yeah, my wife loves watching me play. And it's like, you
0: know. In all honesty, I think some of that is this, I don't know if you guys agree with this, but the general kind of cultural phrase that gets thrown around about how like your spouse is your best friend, Mm -hmm. like. I think men and women experience best friends in different ways. Sure, you absolutely. know, and so like some of that is what kind of expectations do you have of a "quote unquote" best friend, um, and that your husband should be close to you, closer than any person alive, but that doesn't mean that your relationship with him is going to look as intimate as one of your girlfriends might. I don't know yeah, if that's no, accurate or No, it's just not, different,
3: and I just. When you have just families, I think kind of then goes into this other area that i don 't know if we 're ever really talking about in this series, but just of understanding there is still an individuality you 're coming together as one flesh, but you are still individuals and so if mm-hmm. if I come into this relationship and I know that my wife really likes to run let's say she 's a runner, she 's always ran she ran in school, and something she does now that you know she just enjoys to do it. I need to give her space to do her thing Mm -hmm. and not be mad but she has to realize at the same time she's not alone anymore it's me and her together Mm -hmm. and so maybe there's times when normally she'd like going and running every morning that's just not doable Mm -hmm. that's just not doable right now and so we have to switch this up Mm -hmm. and i again i said we were guys because i see this more from the guy's side a lot you know where you're with some friends and you're watching a game and your buddy's just guilty the whole time he's there. <laughs> and you're like, what's wrong? My wife's so mad that I'm here. And it's like, well, <laughs> why? I don't know. And you, I mean, you find out it really is a problem. Yeah. He hasn't been out of the house in two months. Yes. This is the first thing he's done in two months, but she's ticked about it. Mm. That's a problem. Yeah. It's a problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a problem that she has. Now, again, guys will abuse that at times and be gone. Sure. And I'm not speaking again, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. for that. Yep. But it goes both ways in the yeah. relationship. And it it just, to me, is kind of right. connected with the in-law thing, too, of just there's give and take mm-hmm. all over the place that needs to be done right. to make this. We are a family, but we're part of an extended family, too, mm-hmm. to make this stuff work well and yeah. have peace within our family together. Yeah.
0: It's yeah, just absolutely. how it is. I think every couple, you know, we've already said it, you're not really going to know what challenges you're going to face until you actually are married you can have a conversation I know, and even yeah. your parents can say, yeah, 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 we'll mm-hmm. do that. <laughs> but once you're actually married, it happens. So, so if, if you're a married couple, maybe listening to this, what you need to understand is just expect that there's going to be tension mm-hmm. in some places. And you're like, we all know that when two people get married, like they're going to. They're gonna be frustrated at how one of them folds towels. Yeah. Sure. Well, what you're doing there is like you're taking the way that you learned to fold towels in your old household, and the other person's taking the way they learned how to fold towels in their old household. And what do you know? You're a new household. So just work together on how yeah. to try to fold towels from now on, and you know, one mm-hmm. of them give up priority to the other. That's just a silly example, but that that is another aspect of how this plays out is just expect that. The things you never expected would be contentious might become contentious. Yeah. And that's part of becoming that's a new good. family. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the biggest
2: thing, too, is just don't be surprised. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, and you ask yourself the question. You always have to laugh at yourself, like, what was I expecting? Mm-hmm. Well, and this is, uh, to make this like a biblical thing, real,
3: where it says that the husband sacrifices for his wife, mm-hmm. uh, for me, the what is weighed on my conscience, like in the things that you talked about folding towels, Yeah, I should sacrifice the way I fold towels for the way she folds out. Yeah. Cause
0: that's a, you actually fold towels.
3: <laughs>
2: you know what? I mean? That's like a stupid. <laughs> yeah. That's let's like, make this all about him right now. You mean yeah. we have more
0: than one towel,
2: but
3: just oh, those little things, you know, of like giving up the remote control, yeah. giving up these things. I feel I should be the one willing to sacrifice and that. that if my wife is listening to this, she'd be like, You complain about that stuff all the time. Yes, I'm not sacrificing yeah, as well
2: as I should probably. Let's bring, we should bring Easton in here to kind of get a <laughs> yeah, right to give a little testimony give a little honesty.
3: Yeah, but honestly, I'll be honest in my family, this might lead into our next topic really well. <laughs> okay. How my family takes their clothes off drives me crazy because it's all inside out. And so when I go and wash oh, clothes, yeah. and now I got to fold clothes everybody's clothes are inside out, and I have to then do this second. I'm like, why can't you take your clothes off normal? So it's normal. Yeah. It's just too much work. And I'm like, what? Like, that's so... Fr- so the whole time I'm folding clothes, I'm like, this is so stupid, and I'm just getting all frustrated and angry over the dumbest thing. right? Yeah. I mean, it's so dumb, yeah. but it it really does eat at me. I mean, that's just the honest truth. It eats at me on the inside and no marriage premarital counseling ever brought this up, right? They never brought that up, right? And they didn't prepare right. me for it. Yeah, I
1: mean, whatever. Just, just wash them inside out and fold them inside out. That's what right. I start to do. It's now yeah. inside
3: out. You do it. Yeah. And when they complain <laughs> to
0: you, it's like you're no, limited. because my Take kids off, would go right? to school with their clothes
3: inside out. I mean, that's what would
0: happen. They just put them on. <laughs> well, when they find themselves with no friends, <laughs> you say, well, it's probably because you wear your clothes out. And it all leads back to when you took them off. <laughs> yeah, and what I, I, one of you guys said something, but I mean, what you really need to be prepared for is just be prepared to experience the tension, but also be prepared to have the conversation. Like when things really are happening, you as a husband and wife, you need to be able to sit down and talk to your husband about how you need to set up some boundaries between your families. Yeah, uh, if their mom is trying to interject too much when you all have kids. Or if there's just some unrealistic expectations that you're still trying to meet or you just do things so differently, you just need to be humble enough to be able to sit down and have a conversation without being offended. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think it's a big thing. Cause like, you know, the joke goes around like, Hey, you're talking about my mom. Mm-hmm. You know, don't talk about my mom.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but you know, it's just don't be offended. Just recognize that something you know, was handled differently in their family and there's different expectations yeah. and be humble enough and gentle enough to hear them out and to work together as a couple, as a new family. This is part of being a new family. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's helpful. And so as we think through that, that's one expression of how we see Genesis 2.24 being played out in marriage of there's a unique oneness about this relationship there is a priority now given to this married couple over their other earthly relationships another aspect that we uh, need to talk about and discuss is what is brought out in first corinthians 6 just the fact that part of being a one flesh relationship is that there is a physical nature to it, a sexual nature to being one flesh. And so uh, Paul Carter, a guy that writes for TGC, uh, said that one flesh implies more but not less than physical union. What it means by that is that being one flesh, that doesn't just mean that your relationship is sexual. There's a lot more to it relationally and emotionally, even spiritually that's, that's going on here. Um, but physical union is part of it. And so uh, there's a lot that we could talk about with this, but I want to put up some guardrails, obviously. Um, We don't want to be impure in the way that we're talking about this topic. We don't want to be unhelpful in the way we're talking about it. And so just the general question I think we should try to explore as we're talking about the topic of sex is, what does the Bible have to say about sex? Does it say anything about sex that would be worth us noting? It's good, amen.
1: I think we can start there, yeah, so uh, when i when not when I first okay, so let me start here <coughs> um before I was married and growing up in the church, it was always said that you know you know sex out of outside of marriage is bad, mm. which I mean we all mm-hmm. agree with,,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it came to the point where that turned into sex is bad. Yeah. You know, you only
0: hear the negative. Yeah, exactly. You right. only
1: hear the negative. So yeah. when, when we got married, there was like this really hard, like two views combating each other or, you know, like I had in my head, I was like, man, this is bad. But then
0: you're the talking Bible's, about internally. In, there was a struggle Yeah, internally. Okay. Yeah.
1: Sorry. And, Internally in my head, yeah, there's this struggle. Um, you know, this is bad, but you, but actually this is good. And like probably for the first couple months of marriage, like there was a lot of shame. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I don't know how to really describe it, but like, it, like it was almost, I felt shameful for what I was doing. And I really had to convince myself because of, you know, growing up the way I did, I was like, I had to convince myself like, sex is good like i am doing this uh you know in the confines that god has given us and it is good it is good for us to have sex
3: mm-hmm.
1: and like it, it you know it slowly changed mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: to being a you know obviously a good thing but like mm-hmm. i don't have that internal struggle anymore but mm-hmm. yeah that was it was it was a difficult time i don't know if anyone else has experienced
2: that <laughs> i think i think in our society the exception would be the person who says they haven't had that struggle. Yeah. Because I think, um, I mean, it's obvious, we live in a very sexualized society. Sure. That has become, for many people, their identity. That is how we identify people now. Mm. That is the characteristic that marks you above everything else in mm-hmm. our society right now. So I think, I mean, I could be wrong, maybe there's someone who's not affected by this, but I think everybody, 90%, of people at, have some level of that struggle, yeah. and I think it's um, at, you know at, at least in the idea of because we have a society that talks about these things in, in one way, and the Bible, you're right, um, gives us uh, good parameters and descriptions and uh, and lays it out for us in a holy way, mm-hmm. and so I think yeah I think it, I think that. Honestly, one of the things we're going to have to do as parents, and you know, uh, is, is to begin talking to our kids very early about these things, mm-hmm. because our kids are going to run into this, and so we have to build a healthy structure in their mind. We have to get to them early and help lay a foundation at an appropriate level, sure, and and help them to understand this, because if not, they're getting inundated by it from all areas yeah. around them. I think. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of thoughts
3: I have. want to be interesting to look at church history of when this kind of came into play with the talk of scripture and sex and it being more into the negative route. Yeah. I don't know if that was a response to the fifties, sixties, seventies, if
2: it got the more negative sexual revolution, yeah, if
3: it became more yeah. negative talk within church, just <laughs> as a warning against,
2: well, I think even culture. back, even back in early church, like yeah. I think St. Augustine became a, he, uh, he eventually became a chaste, you know, well, about, I know uh, sexual sin I'm, say- but I'm saying, But I'm saying it was because they thought that um, like there was still this almost right. impurity that hmm. if I'm not doing this just to have kids,
3: right? right? And so like there
2: almost yeah. became this idea that this is how original sin yeah. goes through. Hmm. And I think that that was a, a misunderstanding. And so that's, I think there's, it's probably been a long standing problem sure.
0: yeah. for people. It's interesting. One of the things I did in preparation for this episode, there are very few New Testament letters that were written that don't address to some extent sexual immorality that was going on right Mm -hmm. almost all of them say something about it which goes to show how widespread of spread of a problem sexual immorality is or how nor maybe another way to say is how normal it is Mm -hmm. in a non-christian context an un-Christian context i don't know if you look back at like
1: greek and roman art like it's yeah. very, sexualized. very sexualized, or, or the pagan, it's very provocative.
2: Most it's a, pagan religions, the, the religions of the Philistines, yeah. were nothing yeah. but sex, nothing cults. but sex. Yeah. Cults. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's why it was so. Nothing I is mean, new today. Read it, Read numbers. <laughs> it read numbers. Was it twenty something? Whenever they, uh, um, the guys go over and worship with Moab. Well, there's a reason why <laughs> yeah because it was a party
3: yeah and
2: you know the, yeah. and it's like yeah we don't want to worship the lord mm. so i think yeah i think it just goes back to the point that yeah this temptation is not new yeah. yeah but i think what you guys were talking about that internal struggle i would speak to it
3: a little different at least personally and, and from what i've gathered from others um because from a as a as a christian growing up you know you're taught all this stuff about sex and not having sex until you get married But there wasn't much talk of what sex then looks like when you're married and how it would be dealt with. It was just the no. And so I knew very well what I wasn't supposed to do. I'm not supposed to lust. I'm not supposed to look at these things. You're not supposed to talk of this way. But then you get married, and all of a sudden you are allowed to have sex with your wife. You're supposed to be having sex with your wife. You guys are supposed to be enjoying this. But then I think the conflict isn't necessarily in the act it's in, am I doing this purely?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Like, am I doing this how I'm supposed to be doing it? Like, mentally, like, am I lusting after? I've heard that. Like, don't lust after your wife. I've heard that. I don't too. know what that means. Like, I'm really struggling with that. Even to this day, I would say I kind of struggle with, is it? I, I just start like, okay, yeah. I don't know how to handle this necessarily. And I think as Christians, we've really struggled teaching that well yeah. of what that looks like. I remember we had a pastor here. Um, Pastor Mike Nolan. Nolan. yeah. Oh, he used to gross us out so much as youth because him and his wife <laughs> loved each other. Like, we used to do afterglows, they were
1: called. a like so public st- display of affection. Yeah, kind of so stuff. like
3: Sunday nights after church, we would go to their house because they lived right by there. So we'd go to their house a lot and have pizza and stuff. It was not rare to walk into the kitchen and to turn around and be like, come on, you know, you guys are kissing again <laughs> in the kitchen. Like, they really loved each other. But it I never looked at them and thought, that is so sinful. I saw them as, you guys really love each other. That's sappy. Like, that's really how I saw that. I remember growing up thinking, you guys really love each other Mm -hmm. beyond all of what I normally see. Cause I don't, that's not, wasn't normal for me to see couples do that to the extent that when I started like going to youth camp and stuff, I remember we told our counselors, don't hold hands with each other.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
3: -hmm. We don't want the kids seeing you, you get doing that because they're not allowed to do that. And I've I've went back on that now today. Like I think they should see them hold hands. Mm. That's a good thing. Like they should see some affection for each other. Um and that was one of the very few cases though that I witnessed. Yeah. And so that was more of the battle for yeah. me, I think, of what you guys were talking. Not yeah. not, oh, we just had sex and this is bad. No, I never it was Yeah. In my mind, was it sinful? Like, I was always yeah. struggling no, with that. No, that's that I've that, had that same okay, struggle. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> and
1: I was actually talking about that with someone at Jake and B's wedding. And, you know, the thing that he said was like, any thought that you're having for your wife sexually, I think is a good thing. I mean, I think to an extent. <laughs> to an extent. Yes. Now, take that one step farther. Like, what would a, th- a lustful thought? With your like for your wife, or no, nah, that's not even the way to say it, what would be a lustful thought about your wife would be having that thought for selfish purposes. Sure. Right? Would you say that's right? I think there's a sin there. Yeah, like you should always... Selfish. You should desire to want to have sex with your wife. And if, you know, thinking about her in your head, I think is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I just think it's been very twisted within the church and, yeah. and like
3: Spencer was saying, it falls on us as parents to teach it well and for our it it puts a, a weight, but I think it's a good weight. Like I want my kids to see a healthy relationship. Yeah. Amanda and I made a decision when we were dating. We were we were still young that People in church weren't going to see us with a lot of public displays of affection. Mm-hmm. We didn't want them me to have my arm necessarily like around her in the church service or even yeah. holding hands in the hallway. We did that purposefully. Mm-hmm. We just thought, that's not needed. Well, that's carried over even as we're adults. We don't do all this affection in public and yeah. different things. But there are times I really want to make it a point that in my home, I want my kids to see me hug my wife. Mm-hmm or her rubbing my shoulders, you know, or something like that. Just anything like that where there's a care because I want them to see this is a part of Mm -hmm. a good, healthy relationship. They see us argue at times, right? They should see this Mm -hmm. also, I think. It's just
1: hopefully we'll breed in them a healthy view Mm -hmm. of affection. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Scott, you have this written down here, Proverbs 5, 5, 18 through 19. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. And be intoxicated always in her love,
0: like I think that really goes on, kind of with what you're saying.
1: Yeah, you know. Yeah,
0: like you both should be. like... <laughs> yeah, it's the I, the I mean the idea. Like you, I think it's very good uh, that you all have said that it's almost like we don't know how to talk well of it. Yeah. We've only spoken yeah. negatively, yeah, but, so I mean, like, yeah. how do we? How do we tell people, like you know, people in the church, whether they're youth or, quite frankly, some adults, uh, that's, like, how do we speak? in a positive way about like, this is how you should be thinking about sex. Yeah. And scripture is very clear. If you're in, if you are partaking of it in a way that is part of the design of God, which I, that's another thing is that God's design for sex is that it would be happening between a man and a woman, mm-hmm. yeah. biological man and a woman mm-hmm. in a monogamous covenant of marriage. That's yeah. the only place mm-hmm. where sex is acceptable. Mm-hmm. But when you have a relationship like that, scripture is very clear. Enjoy yourself. yeah, yeah. Have a good time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, how, this is not the place <clears throat> to have a conversation about what that means. I, you know, we don't want to get explicit sure. in what we're talking about, but it's very hard. I This is something to point out. I think it's hard to have a conversation about, well, what does that actually look like? It's hard to talk about that in a way that is not, been impacted or oh, impeded yeah. by right. our culture yeah. that has been, like you said, Spencer, so sexualized. Mm-hmm. I mean, most guys today, their knowledge of sex comes from porn yeah. that they've watched mm-hmm. and that's their understanding of what sex should be. Yeah. Um, and so when we think, okay, well I'm supposed to enjoy it. Does that mean that I'm supposed to do what they were doing? You know, right. How, how's that play yeah, out? Yeah. It's so tough to talk right. about those yeah. things. W- what are you going to say? No. Well, and I think
2: too, I think one of the things that I've seen in this, church, is they, in an effort to compensate, to highlight, talking about this in a good way, is they actually go more explicit than the Bible goes. Yeah.
3: Sure. And that's one of the things right. I think
2: whenever we talk about Scripture, Scripture speaks about these things in a very decent and modest way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that you see, even Christian books sometimes will press the envelope or purportedly Christian books, yeah. because they're trying to th- they're trying to to say, well, sex is good, so we can talk about it in all these explicit ways. Yeah. Well, the Bible doesn't do that, yeah. and so even when Paul talks about sex in his epistles, it, he's 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 speaking modestly, so those who know about it, those who need to know, can know about it. And those who don't need to know, we don't need to go into details right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an appropriate way (laughs) as pastors and as individuals. Um, And and the Bible gives us those clear boundary markers, uh, clear boundary markers like what you've laid out about between a a man and a woman, Mm -hmm. then a monogamous relationship and and those kinds of things. Monogamous marriage. Marriage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, you. It's we have to yeah. say that. Right, right, right. right. Within yeah. a marriage, and um, it gives us those boundaries, and it gives us the boundaries. And I think really one of the things too that we have to step back then is particularly in our in our culture. We we. We, we don't necessarily go the step back that the Bible says if there's problems happening in this arena, it's not simply because you have a problem with sex. It can be because you have a problem understanding what love is. Mm. Yeah. And that's where we've got to hammer it. Mm. Because if we, if we talk about what love is and you really grasp what love is, which is mm. seeking the good of another person yep. for their welfare. Yep then that will take care of whatever's going on in that arena. Yeah, yeah. And will, within the biblical modesty, that's appropriate to talk yeah. about these things.
0: There's a uh, one of the things that we I sent you guys to watch in preparation for this. One of the things he talked about, I think it was Ted Tripp, was that when a marriage is experiencing problems in the bedroom, it's usually not actually problems in the bedroom. Right. Yeah. It's usually a different problem in their relationship where love has been misapplied or it's not happening, right. where the husband is not being self-sacrificial for his wife. Right. He's not yeah. loving her in the way he should be, right. or the wife's not respecting her <laughs> husband in the way that she should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, the bedroom is not the problem. It's the symptom of the problem normally. Sure. Yeah, well, I think that's an implication. Well, the only saying. thing I would think mm-hmm. I've talked about with couples
3: and premarital counseling when it comes to this, you know, like explicit or something, it's never got to that. But when you have a... Uh, what I would say is a faithful Christian man and woman coming together to get married and they have saved themselves. They're trying, they've tried their best to protect from sexual sin. Maybe there's been some bumps along the way or whatever, but they've really tried to save themselves. It seems like it, well, the Psalms talk about this, like the bridegroom leaving the chamber or entering the chamber and like the joy of that. Right? Mm-hmm. So you, you have this excitement and For most guys that I've met, they have this expectation Mm -hmm. of how often or whatever. Like the floodgates are about to open here and it's legal now. And it's, (laughs) and it's, and it's a blessed thing now, right? right? right, This is a God honoring thing. And so this is how often. And and so trying to have that discussion saying, Mm -hmm. I've encouraged couples to say, you guys need to have this discussion together before it turns into a fight. Yes. Because like for me, I was ignorant about women in general. I have a brother. And my, me and my brother and my dad are extremely close. And my mom's things were her own things. She had her own bathroom. Me and my brother had <laughs> our own bathroom. So and your dad just used the yard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like,
0: uh, so to so me, you are
2: you do live in the neighborhood, <laughs> Scott.
0: So you <laughs> do know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Part of their grass is really green. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, but a lot of stuff
3: with women was brand new to me. Yeah. I mean, I had health class and all that stuff, but it was brand new health to me. Class. <laughs> you know, and I, I had to. Honestly, Amanda had to teach me all yeah. that stuff that I just didn't know. I that mean, was I was just <laughs> I'm just ignorant of it, completely yeah. ignorant of it. Yeah. Yeah. But it would cause frustration on my end mm-hmm. that didn't need to happen. We needed to have that conversation that we didn't have before. Yeah. And so when it comes to like, talk, and I don't think that's an explicit thing to talk about, just saying, I think this is a realistic thing to talk about yeah. now because yeah. Very much. there is a difference in cultures of when the Bible was written and today. Most Christians now don't get married until they're in their mid-20s mm-hmm. or later. They go off to college, they right. get a career, and now people are getting married. Back then, some people say Mary and Joseph could have been 15, yeah. Yeah. 16 years old when she's giving birth to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, Good, faithful, Bible-believing people didn't wait as long. Where now they're waiting longer, and we're telling them to wait longer. Yeah, and right. I think physically it is harder. It yes. is it is difficult, yeah, yeah. and uh, that it's so harder.
0: you. What? What's harder? It's harder waiting. I mean, just like biologically, like yeah. your body is yeah. moving and ready. And I like, think there's an argument to be made for that, honestly. Yeah, and for so not, not waiting. To, I mean, Paul. One of the reasons he encourages people to get married is so that they won't burn with passion. Right. 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 You know. What I mean, yeah. Like if mm-hmm. you're delaying marriage into your late twenties, sometimes, like. Mm-hmm. I think, like, uh, an implication of that passage in Paul is like, you are setting yourself up to be tempted yeah. in a way that's yeah. not intentionally delayed. In, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, intentionally And I think delayed. our culture yeah. has done that, right? <laughs> right. Don't
3: yep. get married until you have a career, men and women, right? right. right? Don't until you're stable yourself, right. then come together. Mm-hmm. Well, that's till I'm 26, 27, yeah. 28 yeah. years right, old. But and,
0: usually. Part of the reason I think we're okay doing that is because a lot of times it's the unspoken expectation they're already having sex. Right. And so that's the sin of right? our age, right? Mm-hmm. That's the sin of our age, where I think
3: we look into Scripture and we're like, man, all these people had multiple wives. <laughs> they were all right. polygamous. That doesn't yeah. fly today. Right. That was the sin of their age. Yeah. This to, now Our sin is is premarital sex
2: just because of what our culture right. expects from people. Right. Yeah. And the other danger, the side of danger of that is as conservative Christians I've seen is that you get people who, especially doing uh, promoting good things like abstinence, mm-hmm. one of the things that's, a, that's an unintended effect is they tell them, Wait, 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 wait. And, but what they do is they actually build up sex to be such a huge part of marriage <laughs> right, because yeah. they place so much emphasis on yeah. abstinence. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so then marriage is just finally about, Well, I got to get, keep my kids from having sex. So that way they get to the, they get to be married and then they're it pure. It just becomes and then, a law. It does. Yeah. No
3: grace. It There's, becomes law. And so we're teaching girls to just cover themselves completely right. and it's their fault that guys are sinning right? right or we teach guys just how horrible they are right? and that sex is really bad and going to give you all these diseases right. and we become this law based model instead of this right. grace based model yep. and sex is a good thing that was right. given to us it's a right. it is a grace thing that God has given us it is a blessing yeah. that God has given us but we but we twisted it, just like any blessing that God
0: has given us, we can pervert it. Money, all these different things, we can pervert that. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's amazing that, I mean, I mean, we're full disclosure, right? I mean, sex is going to be one of the most enjoyable things that you could ever experience, mm-hmm. but it can also be one of the most destructive things oh, you yeah, could ever experience. Sure. Yeah. That's what happens when you take a good gift. That's the that's the grace in sex is that it is a gift from God. God didn't have to make it enjoyable. Yeah, he didn't have to. Right, but he did. It's a gift to us, but we take God's gifts and we twist them for our own devices and our mm-hmm. own enjoyment, yeah. and we take them out of their original design, and that is when sex can have a an extremely yeah. destructive force in a person's life. Yeah.
3: And we see that, right? I mean, we see that in our society. Just it, it is. I you can't go a day without seeing something sexual. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I don't know how you would do it. it it'd be you'd have to wear glasses that are black or something and just go about being blind but then you'd hear it Mm -hmm. if you listen to the radio or you look i mean i go back and listen to songs that i listened to in middle school or or uh, high school and it's like dawning on me for the first time what they're talking about Mm -hmm. like i don't get i don't know if i realized it when i was them i'm like this was not a good song but i know every word you know or whatever (laughs) and everything just everything is saturated with it and it's because the marketers, the advertisers, all these things, they've realized that it really does sell because it is good, mm-hmm. and the goodness of it can be perverted,
1: yeah.
3: and they've perverted it for uh, things
0: that just aren't holy, aren't what they're supposed to be.
3: Yeah, um, but it's everywhere.
0: Yeah, it's so, absolutely everywhere. So we've talked about we talked a lot about what the Bible says about sex. We said it's good. It's part of the original creation. God designed it to be. Mm -hmm. expressed within a very specific relationship uh we've talked about how we're told to enjoy it uh we've talked about how it's for men and women you know uh that when it says in first corinthians 7 that women have the conjugal rights over their husbands which was a radical thing to say in that day and age Mm -hmm. because normally women were seen as property um yeah, and another sin that I've seen with couples, mm-hmm. and it's again, this is a sin that
3: women do very often, and I, I think it's sinful, yeah. is they use this as a bait or as a prize. Yeah. And if the husband steps out of line, no sex then. Mm-hmm. And that's not what sex is. No. it's it, That'd be like saying, no food. Yeah. You can't have food then until you could, Like, you can't mm-hmm. do that. And that's, that's not how this works. And we see that in scripture, right? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember, maybe it's in that First Corinthians one that we were talking about, where it was like, if you are to withhold from sex for yeah. fasting, yeah. just do it for a little bit, yeah. but yeah. then go back to each other. Yeah. like So there's like a, a continuance of it. It's, again, it's not saying how often you're supposed, but it sounds like pretty often, and you're not right. supposed to hold this from each other as like, you know, I hold on to this, and it's yeah. only for you, husband, and yeah. I don't like you today,
0: so no. That's another aspect of how we've even said like, there's been this buildup almost that sex is like the ultimate thing that happens mm-hmm. when you get married. Even that is an improper view of sex because that makes sex all about you. Right. Yeah. yeah. That this is, I, what is it? Listen to that. I finally get to enjoy this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you're still making it all about you. Yeah. <laughs> when the Bible's clear, one of the clearest teachings that the Bible has about sex is that it is not for you. Mm-hmm. You enjoy it, but yes. part of your goal as a married couple is. As a husband, I should be trying to please my wife yep. and make this enjoyable for my wife. Yep. Part of the wife's goal is I should be trying to make this it's enjoyable for, for my husband. Yep. For each other. And listen, when you do that, like that's the opposite of what you're talking about. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not weaponizing sex. You're mm-hmm. using it to bless your spouse. Yeah. Yep. And man, yep. talk about mm-hmm. an enjoyable time, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that's that's yep. clear. So clear. we've talked about what the Bible says about it. We've also brought up many ways that we have seen sex been uh twisted In our society, the improper perceptions we have of it, I guess to close this episode, if we're talking to couples that are maybe engaged or thinking about becoming engaged, we've talked a little, we've said a few suggestions, but what are some things that you guys think would be helpful for them to have a conversation about? Questions they should ask each other, things they should know about each other that might help prepare them for difficulties that might come or things like that, I don't know.
3: Uh, like I said, I think they should talk about frequency um, yeah. together. I think they should talk about what they're comfortable with together. Again, that's not a conversation that should be in the pulpit. Yep. <laughs> that's not necessarily a conversation, you know, that other people are involved in. But a husband and wife should be. You guys should talk about that. Um, if they're two Christian couples, they're going to grow together mm-hmm. in that area as well, and so they have to be, or you know forgiving to each other, give each other grace, yeah. uh, in those things. And then, and maybe have that conversation, I don't want to say often, but, but some even after, mm-hmm. you know, uh, of what, of what, you know, cause you're going to learn things, right? Things are going to be different than what you thought before beforehand. Yeah. And so yeah. just, just kind of talk through that and then, um, encouraging them, you know, we put this on here that the world kind of talks about sex being ultimate and yeah. how, this can't be ultimate in our relationship because something could happen where we can't have sex anymore, Yeah, right. but we're still married and yep. we still love You're each still other one flesh, and we yep. still have a, a marriage that can flourish and can honor God yep. and where we both can be completely satisfied in this marriage. So it needs to be based around more than than just that. But in saying that, if you can have sex, it is going to be part of it. It's going to be part of it and it, need, it needs to be. It, it should be, but... Just open, honest discussions where you're not embarrassed. I mean, just being honest with each other mm-hmm. about your bodies, about yourself, what you're comfortable with, what you're not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. All those things, I think, should be a part of what you talk about. Just, I mean, I would do it with food. I, you keep making this, and I really don't like this meal. Like, this meal is not a good meal. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but yeah. I'm not comfortable with this or whatever. And it can be the same in the bedroom. Like, I'm just, I'm not comfortable with this. Maybe we can, I'm just not comfortable with it. Yeah.
0: And that's a, that's a hard conversation to have. I mean, most, you know, a lot of times I was, I was having a conversation with Alicia before this episode, just to kind of get her perspective on things. And I mean, she, she talked about how oftentimes women have the perspective of like, I need to please my husband and like, I need to give him this so that he will love me. Right. Kind of thing, mm-hmm. and so if she if she's having an issue and needs to talk about it, like don't, don't, you can't be afraid to talk about that. I mean, if your husband is loving you and, and wants to love you, then like he should welcome that. A husband should be completely open to hearing yeah. things from his wife about yeah. stuff like this. And that's how a husband can weaponize sex in that mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Any other questions you guys can think about? I think. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I think a husband should probably be—they should probably be open and honest about—and uh, a wife should be open and honest about their sexual history. Yeah, their yeah. past. Yeah, you know, sure. if they have a past, if things sure. have happened, whether a husband has come out of a place where he uh, has been a regular viewer of pornography. Yeah, very mm-hmm. much. Um, because that's going to impact yep. their relationship. Uh, and uh, I think too, there's a place to be had for conversations if any of them has ever experienced any kind of sexual molestation, because mm-hmm. that is going to impact the marriage bed as well, yep. mm-hmm. um, that would that information would really help a spouse love one another yep. if there's specific care that needs to be taken and sensitivity and uh, just understanding. <clears throat> yeah, I think part of it too is children. I mean, that's part of why
3: God has given us sex is to have kids. And mm-hmm. so, you know, how many kids you're wanting to have, again, God may decide that and bless that or not but but then how soon you know like we want to have a child within the first year of marriage or no we're going to wait a little bit mm-hmm. but then what that looks like mm-hmm. what does waiting look like and so what are we going to do in the meantime uh, birth control is something that's not yeah. talked about a ton but yeah. how do we feel about that biblically mm-hmm. or other ways or do we just trust God with it right those are conversations that need to happen amongst yeah. the couples yeah, yeah. Um, to figure out what they're
2: both comfortable with in that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, thanks so much guys. Um, thank you for listening. I hope this has been encouraging to you and helpful and I hope maybe it prompts further discussions with you at home. Thanks so much. And we'll, we'll catch you next time. Take care. God bless.